Sunday. It is February 19th, and this is episode 218 of Pencils and Lipstick. I'm Kat Caldwell, and I just finished up my interview with Paula Judith Johnson, and so I thought that I would record the intro right now. Paula is a primarily historical romance writer. She also has two contemporary romance books, which we talk about in the interview. And we also talk about her writing romance mastery summit, which she holds every um, six months about, so twice a year. And it is going on right now. Now I'm actually in this summit, um, though Paula and I, I think we just met in 2023. It's interesting because we um, have both been in the industry. She's been in just a few years longer than me. And we didn't know each other until just a few weeks ago, but it was really fun to talk to her uh, about uh, historical romance writing, about romance writing in general. Uh, I think that you guys are going to get a lot out of this interview. And I just want to say, we say it in the interview that you should check out the summit. There are 30 speakers. Um, and so it's a big summit, and but there are a lot of different topics going on. Paula does a wonderful job at organizing it and making sure there's not just craft or not just, you know, um, romance talk, but also publishing and marketing um, and being traditionally published or indie published. And she brings in really different people that you probably haven't heard as much from, as well as people who are in the industry and have been in the industry and just have a lot to say um, about writing and marketing and all of that. Um, just for the marketing, I think it's it's pretty worth it. So the links are below. Uh, if you are just now finding out about the summit this week, February 19th, I do believe that you have to uh, buy a ticket in at this point. Um, if you are listening to this podcast later on and not in February, um, you're probably going to have to wait till August when she runs it again. So in order to know when this summit is going to run and how to get access to it, I suggest that you go to Paula's uh, website and sign up for her um, for her newsletter. There's also a link down there for her Facebook Romance Writers Group. It is not a readers group, it is a writers group. Um, and so if you are a romance writer or you want to learn about being a romance writer or you want to write romantic subplots better, um, this is a Facebook group definitely for the craft of writing romance and love stories. Um, so you won't, she basically says you won't get in unless you are a romance writer. So check that out as well. It's always great when um, people have resources for writers. I don't know how many of you are romance writers or wanting to be romance writers, um, but this is going to be the show for you if you are um, or if you've been thinking about it. So as far as my historical romance book, we were talking before we started recording and I told her, you know, I'm two thirds of the way through, um, which is, I, I feel like the worst place to be because, you know, you feel good about where you are, but you're not done yet. And sometimes you forget that you're not done yet. So I actually went back to like start editing it till I remembered that I wasn't actually done yet. <laughs> I need to like finish it. So I got a couple thousand words written this week, but in the in like my real life goal at the moment is I'm obsessed about the Kickstarter, just redoing everything, making sure, you know, everything is 
tweaked and edited and moving forward. And I actually have Book Brush. If you guys miss episode 216, I talked to Kathleen Sweeney about all the things that Book Brush is offering. And I actually got some hourly concepts from them to make up the graphics for the Kickstarter, which I'm very excited about. Um, and so everything's coming together. And I still have two weeks uh, as this podcast goes out to get things really done on that landing page so that people are impressed and just fall in love with the books and want to back the campaign. If you are thinking about backing the campaign, you can go now to the link below and sign up to be notified when it goes live. Um, you can also get on my newsletter, which is the link is below as well. But if contemporary fiction is your thing, if you like, um, diving deep into characters and their view of the world and their relationships and um, wondering if he is going to ever get back to music and get out of the dive world of underground illegal boxing, you are going to want to sign up to be notified when that is um, coming out. So these books will not be out wide until June. Um, and we have some extras that I'm excited about for the Kickstarter. I know I, I say this every time and you might be tired of it, but this is marketing. Y'all, <laughs> This is, this is marketing. So let's get into the interview. It is a bit of a long interview, but there's a lot to talk about both um, Paula's books and the summit. So without further ado, here is Paula. All right. Welcome back everyone to Pencils and Lipstick. We are um, here with Paula Judith Johnson, we're going to talk about a couple things, writing romance, most definitely, um, and her summit. But before we get into all of that, Paula, hello, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, yeah, I, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> about myself. I have been writing romance. I started my first romance um, in 2007 and actually got it published in 2010 i'm self-published yeah and uh, uh it took me so long because i had not written creatively for like 35 years and because <laughs> they don't teach us how to write creatively ever we just gotta figure it out don't we yeah but um it was a story that had been rattling around in my head for for 25 years and uh I woke up one morning and I said to myself, if not now, when? And I realized oh, I had to start writing and I got it. I was still working. So I uh, got out of bed at five o'clock in the morning to have oh, two wow. hours to, to write. Um, and I was about two thirds of the way through the first draft, which was a really rough draft. And my husband said to me one day, why are you getting out of bed so early? I said, because I'm writing novel and uh he said what makes you think you can write a novel and i said i really just don't have any idea here you read what i have and if okay. it's horrible let me know and i will i will quit and as i said it was a really rough draft and it's not like my husband would ever read romance right <laughs> and two days later he came in uh to my office i had a home office and he came into my office and he said this is good keep writing Oh, God. So that's how that's I got awesome. with it. And uh, that's yeah. a, but did did you want like a story you said was in your head, but a story could come out like maybe you want to write a screenplay or write just poetry or it just stays there forever. So did you did you want to be a writer like when you were younger? Was writing a book something that you always I, I think, thought about? I, 
I've always been fascinated with uh, writing. I mean, one of my favorite subjects in high school was diagramming sentences. <laughs> oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> and, and um, you know, uh, my grandfather on my dad's side of the family, although I never met him because he died when my dad was a kid, but he was a newspaper reporter. Okay. My dad um, ha- did work... Um, he supervised a typing pool and they did a lot of, um, uh, you know, what do they call it? Uh, um, you know, the, the business books that operate procedures. That's right. 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 And, um, uh, my husband was, uh, a commercial printer working at a weekly newspaper, you know? So, I mean, it was like, I was surrounded with it all my life. Yeah. So there was nothing that like, it's almost as though there was no second thought to it. Like I have a story I'm going to write. You write a book. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I wrote, I remember in eighth grade, um, we were supposed to write a book, which was really, I realize now nothing more than a a long, short story, you know, (laughs) but, um, and that was the year that we had to write a poem and, and I think that's when it really, I recognized how much mm-hmm. I loved doing that. Okay. So, that's um, cool. so it but just, then, it, it was dormant for a long time, but. Right. Well, most had, of us don't believe, or we're told like writing a book, like how do you make a career out of that? You know, it's, it's kind of like, you always wonder like, okay, you might have the idea for Spanx, but like, how would you ever do it? You know, <laughs> like, how are you going to do this book writing thing? Like you got to go to college, you got to get a job. And then there is no time and there's a life to live, you know, so right. it's like. And, time... and I think I think that's what happened was, you know, um, I got married and had a life to live. And right. there it just, you know, I, uh, you know, it just it dawned on me one day that, you know, it, it I couldn't wait any longer. Yeah, you don't yeah. know how long you have. And so you got to do it. Got to do it now. Well, I'm glad that your husband had that encouragement. It took my husband like five years to read my first book. It was, it was already published at that point. I mean, well, it's kind of funny because, um, uh, as I said, it was a, a first draft, mm-hmm. not even finished. And uh, there was five major revisions after that. And I don't know how many minor revisions. And, uh, you know, my editor, I did, I was fortunate to have an editor very early very early on and she's like you know get rid of this because it doesn't move the story forward and um Mm. so when it was finally published my husband said to me i I dedicated the book to him since he was such a a supporter and um he said to me so how did it end and i said if you want to know you have to read it and darned if he didn't (laughs) oh good for him that's amazing i love that um did you Did you go set about like writing specifically romance? Did you grow up like knowing all these genres? Because I talked to a couple different authors and we're, you know, the 70s, 80s kids were like, you just read whatever was around. I don't know. There was a big thing that said fiction in the library and then like a mystery area, (laughs) you know, so you just went and picked up a book. So did you know the romance genre and did you go specifically for that? I, uh, I was a very eclectic reader. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, in fact, my husband said, it doesn't make any difference what you pick up. You will read every word in that book before you put it down, no matter how much you hate it, you know. And that's <laughs> probably pretty true. But um, I was 
a voracious reader, okay. always, always reading something. But I was always drawn to romance. Okay. And um, although I read my share of of mysteries and thrillers, and you know, I mean, John Grisham, John D. McDonald, I love those too. But um, uh, I, I think predominantly I read romance, and I didn't realize when I started to write. Um, I mean, I had no clue about structure or what reader expectations were or anything like that. It's just I'm writing what I like to read. In fact, that's yeah. kind of what spurred me on was that I was tired of reading books that didn't do do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, weren't satisfied. I, I get into I a little that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so um, it wasn't until. I actually started studying the whole concept of writing novels that I realized I must have picked up a lot of the stuff that needs to be there by osmosis or something from right. just having read so many things in my life. Um, because although I think I have improved, the truth of the matter is I was I was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I, I did not know I was good that first book was published 10 years before I was brave enough to submit it to a contest and I was a finalist in um the romance the historic romance category in oh. 2020 and uh the the sequel I submitted the next year and was again a finalist so um and I only I only recently found out that being a finalist does in fact make me an award-winning author i didn't have any clue <laughs> yay now you can put that up there that's very cool but that that's a big that's a big deal i mean there's something about authors even if our book is out there that you're just like oh i don't know if i really want like even if you could have all the great reviews you know kind of these days between a I mean, on Goodreads, you don't even know. I feel like Goodreads just bombs books these days. But, you know, between a four and five on Amazon, because there are people who love to give terrible reviews, too. You're like, okay, I people like my book, but to submit it to a contest takes some deep breath, right? Because <laughs> they'll come back with scathing, you know, report or just like, oh, no. Or they won't even answer you. <laughs> and you'll be like, okay, I guess I didn't make it. Well, then your um, listeners will probably like to know that in the current Writing Romance Mastery Summit, which starts on February 19th, mm -hmm. that I interviewed Hannah Jacobson, the CEO of oh. uh, Pro Book Awards, uh, nice. Book Awards Pro, excuse me, Book Awards Pro. And she tells me that there are thousands of book awards that you can really? apply to. Yeah. Nice. So, We're going to have to listen to that one. Um, well, let's talk about the the summit now, if you want to, because you not only are a writer, um, but you also help romance writers. So you have this like intuitive um, thoughts on how to write your story, but you've also studied story structure. Um, and now you have the Writing Romance Mastery Summit twice a year. So how did you get started in helping other writers? Uh, well, you know, here it goes back to confidence. Um, I, I just, although I have mentored writers through the Romance Writers of America ramp program, I did not feel that I um, was really 
cut out to be a coach. Mm-hmm. And um, I've taken editing courses. So, you know, um, I learned really early on, I don't like to edit. <laughs> you yes. know, other people's work. I God really bless don't. those editors. Though. <laughs> and, um, but I do like helping people. I don't want other authors to go through the struggles I went through when I started okay. out. Um, and uh, through a long winding road, I had an opportunity to take a six-week course on how to do virtual summits. And I thought, that's probably something I will never do, but I will take the course, you know, <laughs> perpetual. At student. least you finished the course. <laughs> Many of us buy a course and then we never even open it. <laughs> well, on, the, on the third week of the six-week course, the assignment was to start inviting speakers to, oh. <laughs> I, I emailed the teacher and I said, Am I supposed to actually invite people? <laughs> he never even answered me back. <laughs> He's like, why are you in this course? Well, good, on, good for him, though, for like pushing everyone basically to work and to put forth. Like, right. So uh, by the end of the course, I I actually um, had, he, I mean, he did refer three people to me, two of which said that, yes, their, their list would be interested in this. And the third person uh, wrote to, uh, uh, children's novels it's like well that wouldn't work Thank at you, all that's not gonna work <laughs> no so um so anyway um I started doing it and I mean through the course I was like I don't know, know nothing about interviewing people and he's like well here's a script you know and so it's like oh and I've had people say you are such a great interviewer <laughs> <Script>. <laughs> it's a good, good thing I have this cheat sheet here because uh, I don't know what I'm doing but um I, I have it, the summit has been received so well from mm-hmm. authors. I've received so many great comments from people about uh, the great content that we have on there. And I, that's what I always look for is how can I make it better and better and better? So, yeah. so, so how long have you been doing it for? Well, this will be my third one. I did okay. uh, uh two last year and I will be doing two this year. And okay. I plan on doing two forever Um, and we cover uh, the craft of writing we cover um, publication both indie and traditional and we cover marketing both paid and organic so yeah that's uh, what I love about your summit is that you really do have an organization to it Um, and every day you have the you have a reason for each speaker there right and you have a variety of speakers too and I've been in this indie author business since 2017, and you have new people that I don't know, which I love. So I I found quite a few new people in August, and I was like, this is amazing, especially like you always kind of want to see what other people have for craft and marketing, you know. Um, and this time around, you have even different people. <laughs> and so I'm like, I I'm even always have you, Kat. <laughs> I, you have me. <laughs> um and I just, I love that. I love how you like, I don't know where you find everyone, but you're definitely well, not hearing from the same people, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. For every speaker that I have, I ask them, who else would be really good for this kind of a summit? I'm sure I must have asked you, Kat. And, uh, and, and I, <laughs> I get referrals that way. And then, yeah. of course, you know, uh, I do have some repeat people, but always with new topics. Right. You know? right, right. Um, I've had... Uh, 
Well, this will be the third time that um, Derek Depker's on, but, he, you know, he's he talked last time, I think it was audiobooks, the time before that was um, email marketing, and this time he's talking about getting reviews to help sell books. Right. And I've right. had Alexa Bigworth, um, this time she's talking about uh, overcoming the fear of marketing, but, uh, and I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember the other two topics, but they're not the same topics. So, right. you know, there are some a, names in the industry that have a lot to say. Um, yeah. And it's always interesting to hear from them for sure. Um, so, this, this summit, though, is mostly for people who write romance. Yes, although I have heard from people who don't write romance. In fact, it's always funny. I know immediately because the emails will always start out. I have no intention of ever writing romance. I have never written romance. However, I loved your summit because it has so much information that applies yeah. to any genre. Of now, that's a, that's a, yeah. a typical email that I will get from, and they're usually men. <laughs> Well, just before we were we were recording, I was telling you about a thriller book that had, you know, some spicy scenes in it a long time ago. And I I must have, well, I hate to say it, it's like 17 years ago when I read it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there are other books that have spicy scenes other than romance. But like romance, it definitely is a genre. But you can also have romance subplots. And, you know, you might need some tips on like, how to write that tension, you know, between the people, especially if you're a man, you might need, like, maybe not all men, but maybe some. Yeah, well, and and that's uh, very true. I mean, it's hard to find a, a movie or a genre of fiction today that doesn't have some type of romance in it. Right. And I think the reason for that is because romance is based on human beings' relationships and people are fascinated with relationships that it, right. that is what makes a person care about a character is yeah. this relationship. And so, uh, yeah, the romantic subplot is very definitely there. Yeah. And um, you, you reminded me of something. I, I do have a, a course out and um, in that course, one lesson is completely devoted to dialogue the differences between men and women and how they talk. Oh. Because if you're a woman writing romance, you don't want your hero to sound like your best girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a man writing a romantic subplot or romance, you don't want your women sounding like your best buddy <laughs> that you're going to go out and have a beer after the ball game. You know? <laughs> that would be a little weird. I mean, I guess you could have a certain character, but you'll, yeah, there's definitely a couple of different stereotypes you don't want to fall into because it will be so weird. Well, <laughs> men and women talk differently. We, yes. we have, whether we know it or not, it yes. is ingrained in our DNA that, you know, men talk to get information. Mm -hmm. Women talk to clarify feelings. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and dialogue is really important because the majority of the, um, what does Jeff Elkin say? The, the bestsellers have like a majority of dialogue in their books. You know, like we, we think that the prose is important, which it is, and everything has its place, but we love dialogue. I mean, I remember being a kid and like 
when's the dialogue coming again? You know, like you have to read it, especially when it's like a sign for school, you know. Um, but we you get to hear the characters and you like it's just like a quicker into their their thoughts and soul, right? And so if they all sound the same or if they sound opposite than what they're supposed to, you yeah. know that as a reader right away. Like exactly. In fact, just recently I did not finish a book that I had been looking forward to reading because there was so much um there was so much, I guess, dissertation is what I would call it, and very little dialogue. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would go for two or three pages with the author telling me what was happening and then a little bit of dialogue. And it's like, wow, you know, that scene right there should have been all dialogue. And right, right. Um, yeah, so you bring out a very good point there, Kat. Yeah, you don't feel like you're in there with the character, right? I once read, I signed up for this critique group and then I immediately left because the the book that I got had 101 pages with no dialogue oh my and I was like okay I don't I don't even know where to begin and so I started writing up a nice letter of like hey the story is interesting but but it's just like telling me really far away like what it almost felt like a hundred page summary and then I went on Amazon and saw that it had four stars at like 54 star reviews. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't uh, know. That's really funny. And I have uh, Janice Hardy is in this um, summit talking about show don't tell. Yeah. So, and that's. Yeah. Uh, Dialogue that's, helps with that for sure. It helps tremendously getting rid of all the, uh, past perfect tenses or as many as you can helps with that too so yeah you know absolutely. no no has-beens and have-beens no, oh <laughs> we, we want is's and was's <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you had that first book um and you were working with your editor was that the kind of your first um entryway into like working like redrafting and story structure and sort of you know formal education i i guess i would say into yeah. what all that entails? Yes. Um, it was interesting. I met her at a, a writing class that we took together. And okay. um, she had completely edited my first novel chapter by chapter as I was writing them oh, wow. um, before I even knew that she was a professional editor. <laughs> oh, wow. That's lucky. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um yeah, I learned a lot from her and I still use her as a matter of yeah. fact. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I remember one scene that I absolutely loved, as I said, it was a historical novel. And one scene I absolutely loved, it was just a juicy piece of history that just fascinated me. And she asked me, why do you have this scene in here? How does it move the story forward? And I said, well, I don't think it moves the story forward, but it's fascinating. She says, get rid of it. <laughs> and hard. to this day, to this day, I don't even know what, I can't remember. <laughs> what, the, what the history is. <laughs> I mean, but that's hard to hear. As a, like, were you open to that as, as a first time writer? Um, you were just open to her, her saying so, that? And, yeah, and well, following? yeah. 
as I said, I met her in a writing class and, you know, it was a class where we were sharing things. And so I had already uh, built up a respect for her talent as a writer. And so yeah. I was open. If that had been um, one of my older brothers, I would have told him to go jump in a lake. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely. Do. Yeah. Our, our responses have a lot to do with the relationships we have with people. Right. Well, I love that you had that really good experience. Um with an editor and with a writing group, I think that that makes a difference. Did you end up traditionally publishing or indie publishing? I indie published. And part of that is because at the time I lacked confidence. Mm. And um, also because I'm rather impatient. It's like I got to the end. We did our revisions. I got to the end. We did our revisions. I got to the end. I was ready to publish. Yeah, I'm ready to go. So in 2010, you're you're kind of one of the first people that, you know, in that first wave of people that um, indie published then. I mean, I know other people self-published before them, but that's about when it was starting to, bigger names were doing it. And so people didn't look down their nose at you as much. They were still looking down their nose at us, but like yeah. it wasn't as. Yeah. I, I mean, when I say that I lacked confidence, very definitely that lingered for a while because mm. there was always the thing in my, ma my mind, am I, am I really an author because I self-published? You know, am, yeah, am I, am I, thing, yeah. you know, am I faking it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even with the Kindle and everything, I mean, lots of people, and it's funny because I remember reading traditional, traditionally published authors at the time when I got my first Kindle and I don't see them around anymore, but I do see indie authors who were independently publishing at the time still around. I don't know what that correlates to, but it's just an interesting little observation, you know? Yeah. Um, but then after, so you're mostly historical romance. What what era? Do you stick to one era? Yes, I am fascinated by the era leading up to and following, immediately following the War of 1812. Okay. So uh, my first novel, which did not come out anything at all like I thought it was going to, because um, <laughs> uh, I didn't know about outlining or anything like that. I, you know, I remember hating outlining in school, so there was no way I was going to outline. But... Um, you know, as the characters developed and they had a mind of their own. Um, so uh, it didn't turn out the way I had originally envisioned it, but I think it was very good. But I had an American sea captain and an English uh, daughter of an earl. And okay. that's what the romance is about. And so it's the years leading up to the War of 1812 to just after the beginning of the war. And, you know, there's a lot of on again, off again, uh, embargoes at that time. Um, um, Thomas Jefferson almost bankrupt the Northeastern states because they were merchant states. And, um, you know, when he, when my character wanted to go to England to see his lady love, it was like, too bad. There's an embargo. You can't go. Well, I have oh to gosh. go. Okay. Well, you have to figure out how you're going to go. And so, and he figured out how he could get there. Um, which is a good thing, um, but uh, uh, that's just a, an era that fascinates me. And so um, the last one I wrote is uh, 
based all in the United States, where Sweetbriar was half in England, half in the United States. Um, but uh, this one is all in the United States. And the one I'm working right now is all in the United States. So, um, yeah, it's just That's really a fascinating cool. time. Because that, that era um, is fascinating, you know, just the cultural things that were happening at that time. And yeah. a lot of romance that I've read, historical romance, is all set in England. And so I, I really find that interesting that you're setting it, you know, in America. Because the cultures actually, like, lots of things were really starting to veer off, right? Like, the Americans were acting in a different way than the English at that point. Like, it right. wasn't that far from the Revolutionary War, but already our cultures were going, right? Like, yeah, well, it was about 25 like years, and it was our second war of independence from England, very definitely. Yeah. But uh, yes, you're right about most of the historical romances that are set in that era are the Regency romances in England. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't really call myself a Regency, not with the second two, but, uh, you know, with the first one, it was kind of sort of. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a different take on it. But, you know, there's a, there's a whole mindset that I think that sometimes is missing when people are writing about the era. You have to remember, there was obviously no telephones, no television, no telegraphs, no trains. If a person right. needed to get someplace in a hurry, it was either horseback or carriage. And um, there's a whole different mindset in pre-industrialized, in the whole pre-industrialized world. So, um, and, because of some of my previous interests, I, I can kind of spot things in novels sometimes where a little bit more research would have helped. My husband and I, for 25 years, were members of a black powder shooting club, you know, oh, the wow. muzzleloader. Um, yeah. Not flintlocks, I, although I have shot flintlocks, uh, we shot more of the cap locks, but it was um, a mountain man um, club. So yeah. we're talking about 1750 to 1850, approximately. Uh, okay. The Mount Anne heyday was about 1800 to 1840. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I learned a lot about not only the firearms, but, you know, I've won prizes for throwing knife and talk. <laughs> knife oh, and that's talk. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know... Making the clothes from the time, actually yeah. wearing them and knowing Ugh, you could do this and you couldn't do that. I mean, why did women have other women dressing them? It's because yeah. they had itty bitty little tiny buttons in the back where you couldn't reach, you know, yeah. Yeah. things of that nature. Um, and there's just having pseudo lived in that era right. has given me some insights to the time period. Yes. Yes. I don't think there's anything worse than being someone who loves history and loves historical fiction, historical romance, and reading a book that you go, that's not right. <laughs> Whether they don't talk the way, you know, or they have technology that they shouldn't yet, or, and, you know, there's no excuse for it because we have Google. Like, there's really, like, you can find out, were there trains in 1812? No. Okay, when did trains come about? Okay, I either need to move my novel or give them something else, you know? You know, and, and that's true because, you know, in my first novel, 
um, I wanted to describe um, the colorfulness of the gowns in a ballroom. Mm. And of course, the first thing I thought about was the kaleidoscope of colors. And then I thought, what year was the kaleidoscope invented? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it's that so even true. a word they had then? Yeah. Yeah. And what, what colors were mass produced? What colors were easier? What colors meant that you had a lot of money? You know, like and, and the fabrics. Yeah. And the, the fabrics too, because I mean, I mean, they're, yeah. Yeah. Before the, the silk road, no one had silk. That drives me insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, you know, this is before the treadle sewing machine. These, these clothes were sewn by hand and yeah. You know, the whole idea about, oh, you know, you're going to go down to the dressmaker and you're going to be fitted for a dress and you're going to walk out with a new wardrobe. Uh, uh, you know, no. I mean, no. it, it took a while. Yeah. The, it, it, I mean, at that time, you make it a fantasy historical book if you want. Yeah. It, it, it actually fascinates me. Uh, how, the yards and yards and yards of fabric that went into these clothes when when they all had to be stitched by hand I know and now yeah. we have all the convenience of sewing machines and and just going to the store or whatever and our clothes get skimpier and skimpier yeah <laughs> like a little square yeah I mean even even after the war when I lived in France I had I knew several people whose parents had were were like the um ready to wear clothes makers so they had the sewing machines, but like it was ready to wear because it was done in like two days instead of two weeks, you know, like because they take their clothes very seriously in France. Um, yeah. And well, it's just, well, we could go on to history, but that I find it fascinating. But let's get so so most of your historical books or all of your historical books are around 1812, either before, during or after. But you don't call them Regency because because romance right, readers get a little finicky, right, about... Yeah, Regency has to do with uh, uh, the regent who yeah. was, you know, ruling in England. And England. <laughs> regardless of what a past president has said, our presidents do not rule, they govern. <laughs> yeah, yes, we hope. Um, <laughs> we hope it stays that way. Um, but then you have dabbled in contemporary romance. Is that something that you plan on continuing? <laughs> No, it's, no. It, it was an accident. I have two contemporary romances. And how do you write two novels of about 90,000 words by accident? <laughs> it just had to come out. I mean, that's what that's what's weird about writing. We're like well, after I, after I finished my first novel, I mean, it really is scary when you finish your first novel. And the first thing that hits your head is, oh, my gosh, do I have another story to tell? Yeah, you know, true. and um, I I thought I would start another historical novel and it was just going nowhere. And so I decided it was a practice that I had at that time. That first thing in the morning, as I was, uh, you know, sipping my first cup of tea, I would take 10 minutes and just free write. Uh, I, and I had awakened with the tail end of a dream of a man and a woman sitting on a bench next to a swimming pool. And I used that as my prompt. Yeah. And I wrote for 10 minutes and put it away, didn't think anything of it. And um, this one morning, I was really stuck. I had no clue what I was going to write about anything. And so I pulled out this whole stack of writing prompts, and I started reading them. 
and I got to this one. It ended in the middle of a sentence, and my first thought was, but what happens next? And then my second thought was, oh, darn, if I want to know, I have to write it. And <laughs> and I think that uh, scene is on page 85 or something like that of the physical book. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, okay, that's going to be a standalone. And I heard from so many readers, but what happened to these other two characters? And I thought, well, you know, you can't write a sequel unless you have certain things in there. So I reread Starting Over, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I have everything that I need there for a sequel. So then I wrote the sequel, and that is entitled. But that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. Not not anymore. And uh, uh, I just... I just don't feel, I I was married for 45 years before my husband passed away. I have been out of the dating scene for so long. It's like, I don't feel qualified to write contemporary. (laughs) You know what? I find it quite boring because, well, boring slash difficult because miscommunication, like there's no excuse for it. You know, like there's no missive gone missing or, you know, little message not you know blown away in the wind like we wear watches that notify us when someone's you know texting so it's a lot more like you have to be much more creative in how you're going to structure romance and how you know the tension that they're going to have and so I don't play like as a writer I'm just like yeah but I could just at least set it in the 80s (laughs) like I could at least like there's just something a little more romantic about the past and (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's one of my favorites to to sort of read the past. I feel like you can play a lot more with different elements. I think Some people can. write contemporary great, right? But it's just, it's just not for us, I guess. Um, so do you have, you have the summit uh, this week. So as people are listening, this is the summit and we'll have the links below for everyone to sign up for it. As we said, it's um, for romance writers or sub romantic subplot writers. But also, like, no, now that we, we've we talked about it, it has marketing. Like, if you want to market your book, you should probably come to the summit because you have a lot of marketing people. A um, lot of marketing. Um, and uh, we have one full day of publishing, both indie and, publishing, and yeah. uh, 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 traditional. Yes. Even if that'll, you're a thriller writer, that, that will definitely be worth it. Um, but after that, do you have a book um, that has just come out or a book coming out? I'm... In the middle of writing it again, I took about a one-year hiatus from writing, um, mainly because I was starting summits, and that yes. took a lot of brain power. But um, I'm I'm back into writing now, um, but I'm not going to have another book out for probably. I, I hope to get the draft, the discovery draft done this year, okay, and okay. Uh, probably come out next year. All right, perfect. Um, I like that you give yourself time to write. We t- we tend in the indie author world to hear a lot about people like trying to do all the things all the time, which I can't do. And so I love it when other people are like, no, <laughs> I'm not no, going to do all the things all the time. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. You know, yeah. A few that's hours. amazing uh, how, how sharp we can be when we wake up with eight hours of sleep. <laughs> yes, I love it, which we need, right? Um, so everyone click on the um, ro- the Writing Romance Mastery Summit links below. But I would also um, encourage you to go to paulajudithjohnson.com. We'll have that link below and people can sign up for your newsletter, right? 
That's and right. Is there anywhere else that you would like them to go find you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. And if uh, your listeners are a romance writer or they write romantic elements or they intend to become a romance writer very shortly, um, I have a Facebook group, the Romance Dream Weavers. It is for romance authors only, uh, meaning we don't have that. Uh, okay, a lot of us romance people do more than one thing. But right. if a person is only an editor and they're nothing else, they don't get in the yeah. group. You know, yeah. if they are a romance writer and they edit, then they get in the group, you know, that kind of thing. That but, makes sense. That makes sense. I, I didn't it goes wanna, all around writing romance. Right. I didn't want a group um, that got so bogged down with all the peripheral stuff that we didn't have any yeah. romance writers in there. So, uh, you know, that group is about 1,200 people now. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and um, recently started um, an Instagram account. All right. So we'll have all those links below and people can find your books. Um, are you wide or are you just on Amazon? Well, I'm on Amazon, but I'm also wide. So, uh, you know, if they get, if they have an iPad, they can go to iTunes and get it. It's in Barnes and Noble and all those. I, I don't know. There's like 14, 15 different all places. The, I know. I know every time you go find it, you're like, oh, look, my book's there. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Well, thank yeah. you so much, Paula, for coming on and talking to, to me today. Well, thank you so much, Kat.